The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You do have to kind of expose yourself to ideas, not just sitting in your room, like staring at the wall, trying to think of stuff. That first thing with how do I have an idea is choosing not to obsess over the idea. You just think a little bit, trust that you can do something with it, and then you do it. Your brain is constantly working on stuff and you have no control of it. I don't think most people realize that this is what happens because you don't ever tap into it. There's a lot of stuff you wouldn't do. So be honest about how bad you want something and then come up with a plan that works within the limits that you've set yourself. Rather than sitting here trying to flesh out that idea, by having a situation that has built-in limitations, that gets to do the heavy lifting for me. And then I don't have to just come up with all of the ideas on my own. Hey, welcome to The Create Unknown, the home of Make Something Mean Something. I am Kevin Lieber. With me, as always, is Matthew Tabor. And I have an L. Matt has a W. We're going to start off by balancing each other out with my failures and his successes. I think we're zero sum, don't you? I, I don't think there's any point at which we can, we can just wake up, let's say at the end of a month. A month is a good measure here. We, we wake up on like the 31st of a month and, and do the accounting of our productivity and think, hey, 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 we're we're solidly on the plus side here. We're in the green. No, 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 no. It's always a, a flat zero. And we look at the graph and it's like, oh, yeah, these lines are balanced out. <laughs> yeah, perfect equilibri- equilibrium is what we strive for. All things <laughs> right. in balance. So, yeah, uh, my big L is that um, deliberately on this podcast, I stated that I was going to make it a point to draw a new cartoon every week. And I have failed miserably at achieving that goal. I haven't drawn a cartoon in many, 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 many weeks. Just How do- many? This was my question. Uh, How many weeks? I don't even what, know. What's a sign of value to this? I don't know. Let's, I mean, let's, is it like four, ten, what? It might be six, something like that. Okay. Seven, perhaps. Okay. It's been a while. It's not like, oops, I missed a week. It's like, I've missed a lot of weeks. And um, and it really, it's hard to, you know, you don't want to make excuses I have excuses. It's just been like yeah. thing number 97 to do every day. And even if I get through 96 of the things, 97 
doesn't make the list. So just make the cut. But 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 let's let's be clear here without laying bare all the details of your life. Your excuses are actual reasons. They're things going on that take up your time and your energy, and they're real. They're serious. They're not. They're not tragic. They're not awful. But it's stuff you absolutely have to do. It's not like you're not getting around to drawing these. You know, it's it's not like you you look at a list of things to do today and choose other things over drawing. No, no, no. It's absolutely ranking below other seriously important things that are on deadlines that have to get done, there's no option. So so I, I, I want to come to your defense on this <laughs> uh, because it just, I mean, we know how easy it is to start any kind of project, whether it's like, oh, I'm going to eat better. I'm going to, you know, I'm, I'm going to exercise, whatever. Or I'm going to write this thing or, you know, and you, you, you do it and then the sessions get a little you know, a little more distance between them. And eventually you've hit that seven weeks. That is not what's happening here. I just want to be 100% clear that you are, you, you totally get a pass for this. Yeah. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Uh, I actually, ironically did also skip a lot of my exercise sessions. Uh, you know, I've been doing, um, this co-pilot app for a couple months now. And uh, have have had to have uh, ongoing discussions with uh, trainer Mike oh, no. about why I haven't. But it, but again, it's it, uh, and I explained to him, I'm like, dude, I'm not sitting around, you know, yeah. eating eating dozens and dozens of donuts. Um, I'm like <laughs> literally like in the yard, moving piles and piles of mulch and just doing physical labor renovations and yeah things yeah. have been Timely on red, red alerts yeah yeah right so things are less Does on he red buy that is, uh, is is mike amenable to that because if you need me to talk to mike i will talk to mike <laughs> i'll say mike look, look this is not bullshit it, this is real but no yeah. really what is he um does he does he accept this as being like just one of those times in your life he has accepted it just because i went to into the type of detail that unless i was like oh. truly like a manipulative psychotic person, it would be really hard to just kind of like make up this level of excuse. So um, it's been okay. Uh, I will, I'm happy to say I got back into my routine just today after taking, yeah, a little over a week off. So, and, and I do have plans to finally uh, break the, the, the drawing lull uh, this week. I have an idea for a cartoon I'm going to do. So I am trying to get back on track here, but nevertheless, I think it is important uh, on the podcast to come out and say, hey, you know what? Uh, a creative project of mine has taken a back, uh, taken a back seat for a little while, and uh, I'm man enough to admit it. Yeah, and I think, um, I think it's one of those things like when this happens to people, and like I said, literally everybody goes through this. If somebody doesn't, they're, uh, they're on amphetamines or they're mentally ill. And I, I, I seriously mean that. Well, I mean, it can be more than, you know, more options than amphetamines, but like, it's not normal to, to plow through completely every single day without interruption. Like that isn't, that isn't what life is like for, for anybody who's living a normal life. Um, but when that happens, it's like, okay, there are three things that are possible here. One is that uh you are lazy where 
you know, you're sitting down and it's like, oh, I'm going to draw a comic. And then you say, no, I'm going to watch Netflix. Okay. That's you being lazy. Uh, the second one is you can't motivate yourself to, to draw the comic or do whatever. And at that point, you have to think about whether you really want to do it. Are you avoiding it or do you just not want to do it very much in the first place? And this pops up with, with budding YouTubers a lot because they, in their minds think, you know, I really want to have a channel. I want to do, you know, this, uh, writing as well. People want to write books and screenplays and all this stuff. And then when it comes time to do it, you know, they, they kind of don't want to do it bad enough. And that's, that's, you shouldn't feel bad about that. I mean, it's just kind of. That's the probably reality that's of most you. people. That's most people. That's most though. people. You're, you're, you're not the outlier. The outlier are the people no. who actually go through the work. The freaks who do the work. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, but that's one of those things where if that's happening, you, you kind of need to ask yourself, is this happening because I'm making bad choices or because I, I don't really want to do it much in the first place. And then the third thing is uh, the, the Kevin situation where something is really truly preventing you from doing this and you're making the right decision by not doing it. <laughs> you know, you would be you would be blowing it and doing the wrong thing in the last 6 weeks if you had pumped out a comic every week. That would have been a bad idea. I'm sure you wanted to, it would have been cool if you did, but the opportunity cost of that, what you would have been missing is is way way too valuable. It would have been dumb. Yeah, yeah. So, so that, that's, that's where I'm at right now, hoping to get back on the horse and reach some sort of level of normalization in my life moving forward, or at least for the foreseeable future until some other <laughs> series of events lay themselves bare that I not need to navigate. However, yeah. um, at the exact same time that I'm carrying this capital L, mm. you're, you yourself are hoisting this gigantic like upside down McDonald's logo W. You know, I think it's like the W in the Hollywood sign. That's got to be bigger, right? Did, uh, did you yeah, ever climb up to that? Did you ever walk up to that sign? I don't no. know how big it is. No. It's if, if anybody in the episode big. chat can, can say how big those letters are in feet, that would be useful. I have no idea, <clears throat> but I imagine it's bigger than the McDonald's sign. But I'm hauling the Hollywood W from like... 8 a.m. to midnight. It's amazing. Oh, it's so good. It is excellent. Yesterday was a great example. Got up at a normal time, uh, played around with um, 45 feet tall by 400 feet wide. The 40, 400 feet wide has to be the, the entirety of the Hollywood. So, But the important thing here is 45 feet tall on letters. That, that I believe. Um, yeah, yesterday was good. You know, wake up, uh, eat the same thing every day, which is good for me. Having slept well, got into work, uh, you know, straight away and poked around, read a bunch of useful things. Then we went over, uh, finishing touches on a video. Um, I had an hour long meeting about, uh, that, that I was conducting that was on a really detailed topic. It was on, um, how to take the free indirect speech in writing uh, and and apply that to informational videos. Now I'm going to uh, I'm going to pull a Santoro here and look to Wikipedia uh, because <laughs> Bazinga uh, because it, what they what they put 
in that entry is is just very very good and clear um and and speaking directly about writing directly about something uh is exactly what you'd think you know this example is he laid down his bundle and thought of his misfortune and just what pleasures have i found since i came into this world he asked so you're just telling you know telling what happened you're describing it and then the guy says the thing and indirect speech is doing that where it's just purely your description he's not he's not saying anything but the free indirect speech is the important part this is the tweak okay and in the free indirect version of this is he laid down his bundle and thought of his misfortune and just what pleasure had he found since he came into this world it's the author it's the, it's the narrator kind of blurring the lines between the character and and the narrator um this is something that virtually nobody does in informational or educational type videos uh, and because of that they feel less like a story um you know this, this is a good concept and, and uh, by the way if you're, you're truly interested in this this transition madame bovary is the the line in the sand there are two periods of fiction writing there's before Flaubert's Madame Bovary and then after. He was really the first to, to use this free and direct speech, contrasting it with something like Jane Austen, which is quite old. You know, it's 60 years before Flaubert. That doesn't exist in those books, not to any real degree. And it's so weird because we, we think of writing like that now as being the standard. Anyway, all of this applies to videos. It's a bit of a, a complex topic. Pounded that out for an hour. Uh, then Kevin and I talked about, uh, future videos, um, got a, a bit of a concept down, read about that for a while, went and did three hours of brush cutting at my parents' house after I was done with, with work stuff, came back, ate again what I should be eating, took a shower, read for an hour, and then wrote 1600 words, uh, until I fell asleep. Uh, and that was a perfectly mundane, productive Tuesday. Monday was like that too. So was Sunday and Saturday and Friday. Um, today is shaping up to be like that. Although I had a really slow start for, I, I, I'm just dead tired. Uh, but it's been amazing. It's been amazing. So, so Kevin, you're racking up the L's. <laughs> yeah, uh, I am. I am. I, I, I have the, the Hollywood W on my back. Uh, I, I, I'm just walking through the streets with it um, and, and quite pleased with the ability to do that day after day. But, you know, a lot of the difficult things that I had in the last couple months uh, are not present day to day now. And so I can resume I can resume normal life. And that includes a bit of productivity. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's funny how we sort of passed the baton a little bit on that. And um, and hopefully the two of us can both simultaneously drop the baton uh at some point rather than just going back and forth that would be nice but no it's yeah. great to see it's great to see you uh writing every day and being really productive on that side the big topic of this episode really has to do with coming back to this concept of just generating ideas so you know you i, I have uh you know eaten a lot of crow recently on not generating ideas because i've been just grinding away on non-creative things uh, just life stuff uh which is not can i ask a question uh, interrupt and ask a question here yes have you stopped on ideas or just stopped on the execution so like when you got busy here did you 
did the ideas stop or did you have comic ideas and just didn't have the time to do them on the comic side they stopped yeah it's not okay. it's not like they've been i have a backlog where i'm like oh and i think this is right. really the really part of the discussion of how to generate ideas and there's kind of a lot to this and it it it's different for everyone which is like an annoying thing to say but that's definitely true you know people have different processes but I think at least we could try to articulate some of the processes, at least that work for us and we've seen work for other people in case people feel like they're in a rut or maybe they're just not even the type of like hyper creative crazy person who just has an endless faucet turned on of ideas pouring out because there are people like that. Like that's the type of person just like capital C, big C creative whose subconscious is just kind of going all the time and they they and when you ask them where they get their ideas they're just like i don't know i just think of stuff it's like okay that's just yeah how it works for some people and it's it's not something that they could uh, you know turn into a nugget of wisdom to share with someone else <laughs> it's almost like asking <laughs> right. Shaq, like how do you dunk the basketball and it's like well i am gigantic and <laughs> extremely <laughs> athletic i don't know how to teach you how to do that sorry i started by growing which took some time yeah <laughs> i grew immensely very quickly so yeah no so when it comes to the comic stuff uh for me sometimes it works in like the wow i just had this great idea you know epiphany style i guess we'll call it sometimes yep. it is like epiphany style where for some unknown reason my brain just craps out an idea and i'm like wow i actually really like that idea and i'll turn that into something other times there's a really more there's really more of a deliberate process that needs to happen and there are things that you can do to uh sort of help you generate the deliberate process i was listening to an interview with stephen wright recently and if, if, oh. if you're not familiar with Stephen Wright, he is unquestionably one of the greatest joke writers that's ever oh, lived. That's ever lived. You, you can. Did I tell you about going to his thing when I was in Boston? No. Yeah. So he, um, you know, he was so he came from the Boston scene, the Boston comedy scene uh, in the early 80s, all of that. Um, and uh, he, he did a talk at Boston University. And I showed up with, uh, with my friend, Josh, and there were like 12 people. It blew my mind that nobody showed up to listen to this guy. And it was incredible because we just talked as a group for like two hours. Wow. It, it was, it was just amazing. Anyway, anyway, you're right. He's, he's an absolute genius. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not like a debate. Like he is, no. he is in the pantheon of greatest joke writers to have ever lived if um just google Stephen wright jokes and you don't even have to watch them on youtube although his <laughs> his like impossibly slow dry delivery does obviously add to the effect so i would recommend just watching him deliver his own jokes but you can even just read them it's like um the perfect tweets before twitter existed essentially so anyway when he was talking about his process it reminded me a lot of the process that I try to go through or end up going through a lot of with the with these comics, which is that um, you you do have to kind of expose yourself to ideas, whether that's through reading or just 
taking a walk and looking at things or putting yourself into some sort of like abnormal situation, not just sitting in your room, like staring at the wall, trying to think of stuff, you know, that that's pretty hard. So having some sort of fresh idea input mechanism is a good, you know, way to kind of kickstart the idea to feed your subconscious to work on ideas. But another part of it, which he brought up that I thought was really interesting, is sometimes you just kind of have to choose something, like just pick a thing, just pick a word. Like if there's a word or a concept or an item like Pop-Tarts and just say, okay, Pop-Tarts, let me just generate 40 ideas about Pop-Tarts. What's funny about them? Just what's weird about them? What's great about them? What sucks about them? And um, eventually you might land on something that's really unique and really funny and makes you laugh about Pop-Tarts. But that's kind of a, it's kind of work. It's putting work into and not just waiting for this magical muse to appear and, you know, Tinkerbell whacks you on the head with her magic wand and this great idea is generated and bubbles forth from your genius. It's like, well, that can happen. But uh, if you're you if, can win the lottery, if you're yes. looking to do this all the time and as like a profession or even as like a, f- you know, f- part time hobby, uh, you cannot rely upon that mechanism for generating ideas. No, no. And everything else in the world works this way. Everything in your life works this way. And starting with the art side, let's say you want to play the guitar. You don't know how. You want to start with something. Do do you sit there and try to identify the very perfect song to begin to learn how to play? No. There's probably a song you like, and you try to play it, and maybe you can get somewhere, and maybe it's too hard, and then you you realize that you've got to choose one that's simpler. And Well, that's the process. If you want to write a book, do you spend your entire life not writing because it, no, you you only want to write this this one book, the one great idea that you have, uh, and then and then do that. I mean, no, you're you're going to have a lot of trouble doing the writing. Um, if you want to get married, do you think? Well, I'm not going to go on any dates at all until I have identified the one. No, you're going to be an idiotic disaster on that first date because your human interaction is is weak you have no practice with it no you just you don't recklessly do anything i mean you can but that's not so efficient but you just have to do stuff you just have to grab something and maybe it is a well-formed idea and maybe it's not maybe it's the pop tart maybe it's just a little thing that you start with and i actually did this uh, monday I did this over the last two nights. I, I wrote a thing that ended up being about um, a, a, a coffee house in, in the Ottoman Empire. And I had zero intention of that being the topic of the thing. It, it didn't even occur to me because I just, I had a totally different idea. And I started writing on that idea. And I get like, you know, 200 words in. I'm like, oh, you know, actually... This is this other thing is probably more interesting. And so I completely switched. I could not have planned that. You could have put a, a, a gun to my head and given me a thousand chances to identify this idea and I wouldn't have gotten it. 
because I couldn't until I actually got into the thing. There's just no substitute at all. So that first, that first thing with how do I have an idea is kind of choosing not to obsess over the idea. It's to run with a thing unless you're on some crazy deadline where, you know, it's one o'clock now and you have to have uh, three pages of interesting something before 5 p.m. Well, you know, you got to go with whatever you've got in the moment. Um, But you just think a little bit, trust that you can do something with it, and then you do it. And it's okay if it sucks. It's okay if it sucks. I've written 11,000 words in the last couple weeks, and I have 2,000 words in a separate document of cuts. And Kevin, how many, how many words do you think we have as cuts at the bottom of a YouTube script? Um, Percentage-wise, it's probably yeah. uh, 10 to 20%. I'd say 20, yeah. 10 to yeah. 20. Sometimes it's less. Yeah, t- it's in that range. Yeah, 10 to 20% is just dumped see ya never to be spoken (laughs) yeah it it doesn't work out because it just didn't shape up the way it should or it didn't fit with what was more important it just did not work out and that's okay but we don't stress out that we had this idea and then it 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 ended up you know waning and dying like no that's just it's kind of part of the process i don't know what you've been sipping but you've got it all wrong it's time to commit to the leaf We've embraced the smoothness and surprising pick-me-up that tea provides. I literally drink it all day long, nearly a gallon a day, and it powers me through research, script writing, and forums on websites that I refuse to name here. But we don't drink normie NPC tea. We drink cultured and refined anime tea from the Dragon's Treasure. Kevin still likes the gunpowder green called Space Cowboy, and I've sampled nearly 40 Dragon's Treasure teas at this point. Lately, I've been slamming black teas like Kentucky Bourbon and Liquefied Berserk Despair. Scottish Breakfast is deep and peaty, and I smooth it over with Sebastian's Morning Earl Grey, which has the best vanilla cream taste I think I've ever had in a cup. Give me a pot of that with a hot meatball sub from Sal's Pizza and Brooks Barbecue Chicken to wash down my last meal on death row. I highly recommend the sampler packs. You'll want to try everything just like I did. I literally have not had one tea that I wouldn't be happy to reorder. The Dragon's Wings membership fuels new tea experimentation and the Tea of the Month Club provides a regularly scheduled surprise. And when you order from the Dragon's Treasure using code CREATE, You'll get 10% off your order. That's 10% off using the code CREATE at thedragonstreasure.com. The link's in the description. Um, how, does, how does this work with, I'm really intrigued because I don't draw anything. How, do, how does the ideas becoming a comic work for the comics? Like, do you ever start with a, an idea and then start drawing the comic and, and you know, you fill it in. You're like, you know, that's actually not as funny as it could be. Well, uh, I think if I was doing it um, less casually, the answer to that would probably be yes. I think I've redrawn two or three because I just wasn't happy okay. with the art of it. Or maybe I phrased something, you know, badly and I could phrase it better. But for the most part, no. For the most part, I just kind of let it roll. And I, I have sort of more of a uh carefree attitude to the comic stuff because it's it's a little frivolous and it's a little just like eh, i'm just gonna like throw this baby out the window and see what happens but when it comes to idea idea aiding i think that 
uh, I'll just give you an example of the the one that I'm going to draw next is just going to be Peter Griffin um, because <laughs> the last I think it was it the last one that I did I did a Homer Simpson one and there's something to me I think we I, we spoke to Psychic Pebbles about this I, I I'm not sure what it is but there's just something really funny to me about like terrible drawings of things like The Simpsons or or a Family Guy. I don't know why it's so funny, but just seeing maybe just because they're so popular and they're so ubiquitous and they're so perfectly drawn every time that seeing like a garbage version of it is just instantly funny uh, to me and I think to a lot of people. So, you know, I did the Homer one and people really liked that one. So, you know, the natural natural progression is like, OK, I did Homer. Now I'll do Family Guy. And I've come up with what he's going to say. I've gone through like a bunch of iterations of that. I'm like, ah, is that too complicated? Is, is that making the joke less funny? Should it just be simpler? And I know I know what I've landed on and you'll see it. And it's idiotic. And, you know, I'm talking about it as if it's this, you know, Beethoven's seventh symphony. But it's certainly not that. So sometimes it's, it just sounds kind of conceited to even talk about my next ovir when it's just going to be like <laughs> a completely stupid comic that'll take me five minutes to scan or to draw and scan and, and upload to Instagram. But you do have to think about these things. But but my point with this is that and also goes into your point is that at some point you just kind of have to pick something and start oh, and start so. working on it. And uh, and then see what happens, because you can't just like you say, figure the whole thing out in the ether. Like and, and it does seem like people get tripped up on that. But you have to be oh, you, you cannot be afraid of your idea going someplace that sucks. You at some point, you have to just kind of trust that you'll figure it out along the way. It'll figure itself out along the way. Or you won't, and that's okay too. Uh, but yeah, it seems like a lot of people, they don't even get started. And that's the worst thing that you can do. It's just not even start. No, they don't. Um, and, it, you know, I was reading, oh, maybe a month ago, uh, a book uh, called A Winter's Journal, which is a, a man's journal over the course of four months in 1930s Paris. Uh, he doesn't have to work. He has some money. And he, he pretty much chronicles his failing relationship with his wife. And he notices all these incredible things. And, and you start the book thinking, this is just the best reader of people I've, I've ever encountered. And then, then you realize how wrong he is about so many of these things, you know, and it's great. And it, when he starts to be wrong and, and have difficulty and question himself, he starts to talk about himself. And in this one entry, he says that he is someone who just needs to be consumed by the plan. He doesn't actually need to execute it or, or do anything. That, that's not him. He just needs something to be consumed by. And I thought, wow, that is a hell of a lot of creatives I know. It's a lot of normal people I know where they actually don't want to do anything. They just want to be engaged in thinking about doing the thing and and that's enough for them they're fulfilled by that some of them get frustrated that it never happens and they don't understand why even though it's obvious but 
a lot of people just want to be consumed by the plan. And, I, you know, I know a lot of people over the years here who uh, have ideas for YouTube channels uh, and they have thought about it for years. Well, their hobby isn't making YouTube videos. Their hobby is thinking about making YouTube videos. <laughs> It's and they're enjoying themselves. It's taking but, the phrase yeah. "living the dream" literally. Oh wow! Yeah, right. It's That's like good. you're yep. literally living a dream. Your dream yes. of a thing, you are ensconced in it, and that you know that's enough for you. And on one hand, I would say, well, that's okay if that's how you get through your day, and you you know you're you're a content, productive person. You're not harming anyone. That's great. On the other hand, I think, man, that's a shame. That's a shame. Yeah. You know, because it's just lost potential. And, you know, we've talked about this before, but like one of the things that I think most people agree upon is that the loss of potential is a tragedy. And even if yeah. it's in something so small as not drawing that comic idea that you have, you know, that's a, that's a, that's a little tragedy. It's a, it's a micro tragedy that we didn't get to see, you know, your unique perspective on drawing or writing or creating music and you know and, and even if only one person listens to it or nobody listens to it but it's out there yeah i mean I, I think that's better than just living that dream yeah you can be the only person who listens to it or reads it and that's enough it really is enough i mean i i'm having a really good time with writing things now and there is no guarantee i i send some of it to kevin i pop some of the discord at different times but there's no guarantee that more than like five people in the create unknown community are going to ever read this. And I, I, I kind of don't care. I'm having a really good time going through the process of, of thinking about the things that's, that's enough. And I mean, part of that is, is being older. I I'm just straight going to say that it's, I, I don't think there's any way that I could have had that mindset when I was 19. It just, it would not have occurred to me at 19 to do something and be satisfied by having done it. <laughs> it just, I don't know how else to put it, but there's no way that I would have been comfortable with that and thought, yes, that that's, that's good enough. That's a good thing. So I don't know how, uh, how to, to guarantee that everybody can do this, but it's worth considering just acknowledging that this is a possibility that this can be one of the options just acknowledging that it exists i think is is probably enough for now mm -hmm. yeah yeah well um just today sort of serendipitously marquez brownlee did a tweet that folded in really neatly with this discussion and it because it well it's sort of like tangentially had to do with how to come up with creative ideas but here, I'll read the tweet, and then um, we'll talk about it. So Marquez says, There needs to be a name for the theory that the best, most creative ideas will always surface when you are least likely to be able to write them down, such as in the shower or while driving or mid-conversation on another topic or as you're about to fall asleep. Now, I have several things to say about this. I did reply to Marquez by stating, you know, most of these are moments where no input is distracting your brain from ideating. Creative people should purposefully make time for these moments daily so that your imagination isn't stifled by noise. I'd like to expand upon, you know, that segment of it first, which is going back to this interview with Stephen Wright. 
he actually talked about this. He um, moved out of L.A. Uh, a long time ago, not like recently, like 23 years ago or something like that, and moved kind of to the woods, I believe in Massachusetts, sort of like outside Boston area. And he was talking about basically needing to get away from noise. And for creative people, like noise can be the death of creativity. And we live in modern times in an incredibly noisy world. I mean, yeah. you can't even go like I was waiting in line. I swear to you, last night at the supermarket, they now have a television mounted like above the line so that while you're waiting in line you can watch tv and it just and it just had like the note the the local news playing and i'm like good lord like first of all obviously all these stores have music playing Mm -hmm. right that's been the case for a long time and there are psychological reasons for that but now there's music nice background noise is nice if you if you go to eat at a restaurant that has nothing but the sounds of other people talking, it can be weird. I don't want to. He- I don't want to hear them. I feel like I'm, I'm being forced to eavesdrop. It's oh, it's awful. You got to have some background noise. Yeah, a little, a little ambiance, a little ambiance is nice. Right. So yeah, no, I'm not complaining about the music playing in the supermarket. That's fine. The ambiance is nice. It does fill kind of the the blankness, the dead, the dead, the dead sound. But that now that's competing with me having to hear this blaring like news report on the tv above me when i'm just trying to check out and i'm and i'm thinking to myself also there's an aisle sorry i'm ranting now there's an aisle at the supermarket (laughs) good there's an aisle that sells as seen on tv products oh yeah, yeah and there's a little tv in that aisle that's like showing infomercials for the oh no products on the shelves and it and that also has sound and it's like ah Hey, it's Billy Mays here with OxyClean. Why don't you get that? Oh, look at that. You slap that right on there. And, you know, I'm Phil Swift. And I just, you know, fixed this boat. And I'm like, good Lord. Life is so freaking noisy. Even within the supermarket, there are like several different noises that you have to hear on top of, you know, just the general noises of shopping carts and people talking and someone's on the phone you know, walking around with their Bluetooth talking. It looks like they're talking to no one. It's just the point is it's a noisy, noisy world. And when you're constantly being bombarded by all of this sound visual you know, or, you know, stimulation, both both visual and auditory, it obviously zaps and saps your brain power. You can't focus. You can't think. So when Marquez does this tweet about like, how come these are the times you know, you come up with your best ideas. It's like, because those are the only times like you can hear yourself think uh, yeah. in modern that's, that's times. That's not an accident. No. Yeah. No, you are 100% right about that. And and you don't realize how active things are. I th- This is really heightened for me because, Kevin, you know uh, the degree of noise that I'm accustomed to in life, which is zero. Um, <laughs> So noisy places stand out, you know, and I've, 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 this is my problem with, with cities and, and I know cities are cities. I mean, stuff goes on all the time and I don't mean ambulances blaring in, in New York at two in the morning. It doesn't have to be that, but like, guess what? Mumbai is a noisy place. 
and, and they didn't do a whole lot of buildings with epic sound insulation. Um, you know, London, Tel Aviv, all these places just have sounds of people living. And it's, it's two things. One, I'm just not, I, I was never used to it because I prefer nothing. And I also have a complete and total disinterest in what anybody else is doing with their lives. So it's not only something I'm not in tune with, but I really don't care about it. Every once in a while, something is interesting or relevant or whatever, but not very often. We want to help you make something and mean something. And we say that phrase all the time because when you're making something and you know it means something, even if it's just to you, that's when you feel pretty good about what you're creating. The support for the Create Unknown in recent weeks has been incredible. Animators, artists, musicians, YouTubers, aspiring filmmakers, comedians, it is crazy how talented everybody in this community is. Consider joining the Create Unknown Patreon. Every dollar that comes through goes straight into the podcast and its community. That means more highlights videos. It means a big Minecraft project that's on the way. And eventually we'd like to manufacture custom piss bottles so you never have to leave your battle station. And being a patron unlocks participation in all of our live recordings. You've seen the roster of guests we've had. Having access to their minds is a unique opportunity. You can go to patreon.com slash thecreateunknown or click the link that's in the description. Every little bit helps and your support means absolutely everything to us. Patreon.com slash thecreateunknown. Links in the description. We appreciate you, Space Cowboys. Uh, wait, wait, what's interesting here, I'm sorry to interject, is that so yeah. like a hard introvert like me would be drained by that. It would have a negative impact on my well-being. Uh, on the other hand, like a hard extrovert would be energized by that. They would find that thrilling and exciting and they would love to be yes. in it. And it sounds like <laughs> you are in this purgatory in which you, you're just sort of indifferent. Is, is that is that the case or are you on sort of like the drain side of the spectrum? It doesn't drain me, but the way I think about it, and this, this is why I, like I started talking about this. If you think about it as sounds, to me, it's not as clear. Uh, I think about it more like, like mosquitoes biting me. Every sound is a mosquito bite. Well, well, I don't want any mosquito bites. It's one of those things that you can't choose not to react to on some level. I'm not saying it hurts, but like you get this little tiny stimulus and your brain shoots its attention even for a, a millisecond to that thing. And if you're surrounded by sounds, you cannot, I mean, I know some people think they can tune it out. You can actively, but, but you, you kind of can't, right? You, you really truly cannot shut off that mechanism in in your mind oh, you're, it is going you're to using, work like a reflex you're using your mind to sensory gate Th that's right yes that's that's exactly what's it. happening that's yeah. that is an active uh, mind or an active process in your brain to sensory gate so you are mm -hmm. you're busy it's busy your brain's busy yeah yep and, and i don't want to play that game not at this point not at this point and it's uh it, it just saps bandwidth you know it is it is uh 30 people using my Wi-Fi, and I want to be the only one on my Wi-Fi. Um, and unfortunately, when it comes to noise, you can't just pop a password on it and block everybody out. Uh, I, I don't know how people in those environments do it. I, 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 I really don't. Um, but, but also, people don't know how I can do what I, what I do. You know, I've had um, 
you know, people who have lived with me here, uh, none of them ever came from an environment that was that was like this, right? And the the instant the number one thing is having trouble sleeping initially because of the dead silence. I mean, dead silence. And especially when the power goes off, you don't realize how much noise exists in your house. Little things like the refrigerator running that you don't even hear. You know, you don't. There, it's just such a background little grind. Um, the buzzing of electric lights in a place with <laughs> with older wiring. Um, you know, the the fan on my computer, right? Like w- when you have. 30 of these life things coursing through your house, you don't notice them. You know, it's easy to do the the sensory gating there. Power goes out. Oh, it is nothing. It is absolutely nothing. And it's not putting on uh, like noise canceling headphones, nothing where it's being blocked out. There's a different hearing here, right? You can actually hear nothing. As opposed to not having anything, you know, everything being blocked out. There's an abyss of nothing. And that is so unsettling to some people that they cannot, they cannot sleep. They cannot relax. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's strange, but that's how delicate everybody's mind really is with something as simple as normal life sounds. And also how malleable it is. Like, think of how ridiculous it is that we have gotten, that people can get used to that, like living, because that's obviously not natural. It's not like for hundreds of thousands of years, human beings were living in environments that were just like constantly buzzing and (laughs) creaking and crashing and blaring and sirensing. But, you know, you grow up with that and you get used to it. That's all you know. That's your world. Um, I remember years ago, my parents were renting out their house and some tenants like fled in the night. They couldn't even make it one night. It was as if it was, um, you know, they were escaping a horror movie because they were terrified of uh, not just the silence, but also sort of the darkness and the isolation and all of the things that come with living in like a truly rural environment, uh, they were scared for their lives and left. Yeah, I believe that. Yeah. I believe that. They were experiencing nothing for the first time in their lives. And when you aren't comfortable with nothing existing, you tend to feel nothing. You tend to think that, well, there must be something happening that I don't know about, right. you know, and, and people really amp themselves up with, with being scared in, in those things. Um, Jen has several fantastic comments in the episode chat going back a bit. She just says people are scared of the inside of their own heads. Yes, and they should be. It is absolutely the worst place on earth. I would rather be, I would rather be naked in the center of Mogadishu right now than just be inside my own head. That's how that's how bad it is to be inside your own head. Um, but she had one in the back where uh, Jen used the term "creative oasis." Doesn't that express? Doesn't that express what we're talking about? How the the shower and and the driving and all that stuff gives you a creative oasis where you're actually free to 
to uh, activate the almonds a little bit. Well, yeah, certainly. And what I what I find funny about that is it's not. I mean, it ends up being creative, but it really should just be a freaking oasis for your brain. Just period, <laughs> because uh, it's obviously it's obvious that we all need that. You know, with how much noise there is surrounding us all the time the the about to fall asleep sort of bullet point that marquez mentioned uh to me really rings true because i remember talking to sven johnson about this where some people and i i believe i remember sven said that this happens to him as well but it happens to me there's a state called hypnagogic sleep where you're not uh, your brain is really kind of still conscious, but it's sleeping at the same time. So you're really kind of still awake, but you're dreaming, like dreaming hard, like dreaming the type of dream in which um, when you wake up the next day and you're like, wow, I had this crazy dream where like, you know, my cousin built a roller coaster in my backyard and like Shrek was there. And like, so my cousin and Shrek were riding on the roller coaster and um, it derailed and like Shrek broke his leg and that, you know, whatever, <laughs> like you're doing that and you can, you can consciously like see your brain doing these things, which is a really weird experience, but it's sort of how I started understanding uh, how your brain is constantly working on stuff and it's just kind of throwing things at the wall and you have yes. no control of it. You have zero control of it. This is 100% an involuntary action on the, the part of your brain um, that is just working. It's just saying, you know, okay, uh, here's your mom talking about, you know, going to a Mets game and then here's... Um, Jennifer Aniston doing a commercial for Ambien and here, you know, it's just, it makes no sense. It's just all this stuff. And, and it, you know, here is, uh, you know, the merciless Ming asking if you'd like another plate of spaghetti. Like you have no idea what's happening. And, 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 and if you can engage in hypnagogic sleep, you can watch it. It's the weirdest thing. But the point of mentioning this is that I don't think most people realize that this is what happens because you don't ever tap into it. This is like a, a you know, a matrix moment where all of a sudden you take that pill and you can sort of see behind the curtain, uh, you know, how sort of the creative sausage is made. And unless you are going into these creative oasises, how are you ever going to uh, create the bridge? between what your brain is doing and you being on the other side trying to grab, you know, those ideas. David Lynch calls them puzzle pieces. I don't know if that's helpful at all to other people, but David Lynch described the creative process as like there are puzzle pieces in a different room and you're trying to put them together. Hmm. This is a weird analogy, but this dude, I mean of all people, sense, he he engages in transcendental meditation. Okay. which is essentially like a purposeful way to engage this process that we're talking about. It's not going into the shower and accidentally stumbling upon it. No, like he actually sets aside time during the day to perform transcendental meditation. And then he comes away with Twin Peaks, the return, which is completely crazy. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Real quick, Jen, Jen said uh, that the creative oasis term is attributed to John Cleese. No, that is in the past. It used to be John Cleese's term. Now, now it's Jen's term. Start, <laughs> starting 2023, it's now Jen's quote. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. Um, you know, I, I, I've been thinking, because, you know, we were just talking before we hit record and, and Charles was in here and we were talking about uh, Conan the Barbarian and Conan the Destroyer. Um, I watched Conan the Barbarian when it popped on Netflix a couple weeks ago because I hadn't seen it in some time. The soundtrack is baller. The soundtrack is amazing. Um, but anyway, I, I, I'm starting to truly think that one of the the one of the the greatest treatises on creativity and production is the 1977 bodybuilding documentary Pumping Iron with Conan's Arnold Schwarzenegger because it it details uh, all these different men Lou Ferrigno Arnold uh, Etc. Preparing for the seventy-five Mister Olympia and Mister Universe, and you get to see their process. And one thing has stuck out to me for years with that with that show, and it is Arnold explaining that his father dies, and he did not go back to Austria for the funeral because he he couldn't have his mind there. He couldn't interrupt his training, um, and that to me is is a sacrifice I wouldn't make. Right. I'm like I, when I initially watched it, I thought, "Wow, what a rotten guy! What a, what a rotten way to live to do this." I, I don't have to. I don't have to go to those extremes. But but oh, and Charles has put the the scene in the episode chat too, where he talks about his dad. Um, now I understand the impetus for it that he is essentially controlling his oasis there so that he can focus on on these competitions and his training. Um, that said to me, there is an element of control that you have over this. And maybe it's meditating an hour a day. Maybe it's it's cutting off any uh, emotional thing that could throw you off. Whatever is comfortable for you, you, you find it and then you do it. But all of a sudden it hit me. It's like creatively, you can regulate these conditions. You are not a complete and total victim of circumstance. You can make choices that put you in a spot to do that thing that you want to do if you really want to do it. Uh, and the other time I thought this was 20 years ago, reading a book on bowling, as, as bizarre as this sounds, where uh, a training, physical training for bowling, where the guy said- <laughs> It's just a book on bowling. Sounds like the most boring thing conceivable. <laughs> <laughs> this is purely the physical workout that, oh. as it applies to bowling. Yeah. So um, in, in the intro, the guy said, uh, you need to be honest with yourself about your commitment to, to doing this. Because if I said to you, I can make you a professional bowler, but it will take a year and you'll have to move across country and you won't be able to see your family, would you do it? He said, no, virtually nobody reading this book would do it. So don't kid yourself when you say, I would do anything for that. You wouldn't. You absolutely wouldn't do anything for that. There's a lot of stuff you wouldn't do. So be honest about how bad you want something, what you are willing to do, what you're not, and then kind of go from there and come up with a plan that works within the bounds of the limits that, that you've set yourself. 
Um, all of this stuff fits into me with you talking about your comics. You have set limits on what you're willing to do to make these comics. You are comfortable sacrificing a few weeks. That's okay. You can prioritize other things. You obviously will not do anything to make sure you put a comic out each week. And that's sensible. That's normal. Uh, it, it doesn't mean you're skipping your father's funeral. <laughs> you, know? you don't have to go to those extremes, but you've got limits. And now you operate in those limits. Yeah. The, man, the, article, the Arnold uh, example is so extreme, which makes it yep. so illustrative because it's like, well, he did win. <laughs> he did win yeah. what he was trying to do. Uh, what, like seven times in a row or I something? Was, I think it was eight. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So, oh, I mean, and then put together a singularly baller as hell career in film, entertainment, and then politics. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, not everybody is Arnold, but uh, there was a, there's a great. Netflix documentary. I think it's called The Redeem Team, which is about oh, yes, yeah. a USA basketball team that was mm -hmm. put together in order to try to win gold again because they had uh, been losing in international play because uh, the rest of the world, a little bit. yeah, the rest of the world caught up on basketball and suddenly the US wasn't so dominant as it once was back in, you know, the Dream Team days, the Dream Team 2 days. The point is, there's an excellent story in that documentary in which, first of all, let me set the stage to say that, for the most part, the, the, the players involved in this team are the best players in the United States. They're the best players from the NBA, which is the elite league around the world, but then, you know, the best that are from the U.S. For the most part, you know, sometimes guys will skip out on the Olympics, but whatever. For the most part, it's the very, 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 it's like the all-star team of all-star teams are playing on this Olympic basketball team, okay? So it's important to start there to then move into a, the, the, next, the, the next thing I'm going to say, which is within that elite of the elite of the elite group, okay, there was Kobe Bryant. And what happened was, the guys tell this story about how they were all partying and going out to clubs. And I mean, they're young guys. They're rich. They're traveling like these dudes. <laughs> I mean, the term <laughs> baller, yeah. the term baller was invented right. from these guys. This is what a baller literally is like <laughs> Carmelo Anthony <laughs> and LeBron yeah. James are literal yeah. ballers. That's what yeah. a baller is. Um so these guys, Carmelo Anthony and LeBron and all these guys were being literal ballers. And uh, it turns out they would come back from, you know, a late night of going to the club and having fun and partying at four o'clock in the morning. They're coming back to the hotel. They walk into the lobby and who's walking out of the elevator? They're going into the elevator. Who's walking out with his gym bag? Kobe Bryant. So when these guys are just getting back to the hotel to go to sleep, Kobe is waking up to go work out, okay? He's going to the gym when these guys are, are, are coming home to try to sleep off a hangover, okay? Or sleep off their drunkenness. And they tell the story about how they it all blew their minds. They were like, oh my God, like this dude is insane. Well, guess what? Over the course of the next several weeks, kind of one by one, 
they all fell into line and started getting on Kobe's schedule. They stopped going out. They started going to bed earlier. They started taking better care of their bodies and they started going to the gym with him for the most part. I think one of the guys were like, yeah, I wasn't getting up at four, but you know, <laughs> I, I would go at six and like meet them there. Mm -hmm. But commitment matters. And the there's difference. a big yeah. difference between a guy like Arnold Schwarzenegger, who's at the top of everything, skipping his own father's funeral to grind, mm -hmm. and a guy like Kobe Bryant, who was like, yeah, I'm not going out to the club, guys. This basketball thing is more important to me. So when you guys are going out to party, I'm sleeping, getting a good night's rest, and then headed to the gym to start working out at four o'clock in the morning. And guess who's considered one of the greatest basketball players of all time? Yeah. It's Kobe Bryant. There's a reason. Yeah, yeah that is that is not uh, not a, a, a simple, quick correlation. Um, I know uh, I know we got to wrap up, but but do, do I have your permission to to have a, a mini rant that I think is, is useful? Yes. Permission granted. OK. OK. Because it, we talked about just doing a thing, thinking of ideas uh, running with those ideas. It, it really is kind of hard, but, but there's a, a, you can trick yourself a little bit into a lot of thinking and then you see if you like it and you see, uh, how you can function within it. And that is to place some kind of limitation on whatever your idea is. Okay. So as the specific example here, uh, the stuff that I'm writing is set, let's say 1850. Okay. I was my, I don't have shower thoughts. Imagine showering. Uh, I, I like mowing, brush cutting, chainsawing. Those are, those are when nobody is, is bothering me. Uh, I was thinking the other day, I was thinking about a character that, that was in one of the things I wrote. And I thought, this is the sort of man who would think that, that Don Felder is the best Eagle. Now, if you're not familiar with the Eagles, Don Felder is, if there are five eagles, Don Felder ranks sixth. <laughs> Don Felder is not even the best eagle named Don. But I'm sure. <laughs> I don't know how we got into Don Felder Chuck Norris jokes, but here we are. I'm, gl I'm glad that I granted you permission for this, or else we never would have reached this territory. <laughs> so, so I'm thinking about this. I'm like, ah. Oh, how I, I can't, I obviously can't write this because the Eagles were not pumping out Hotel California in 1850. I think, I think California was admitted to the union in 1850. There was no Hotel California. So it, it I have to do it another way. How do I take that sentiment and translate it into the same, the same feeling for, for the, the kind of puzzling weakness of this man in a way that fits the time? And in just a few seconds later, it's funny that we were talking about zero sum at the top because I wanted to use the term zero sum in a sentence. And I thought, I can't do that because zero sum wasn't a phrase until like 1940. You know, it, it wasn't a concept that that had that name. I would be a hundred years early. This man cannot say zero sum, you know, and so it hit me that. That wow, I'm forced to think about all of these different things rather than sitting here trying to come up with an idea, trying to flesh out that idea by having a situation that has built-in limitations, then that gets to do the heavy lifting for me. It's forcing me to consider these things. And then I don't have to 
just come up with all of the ideas on my own. Like, no, 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 I can, I can get one idea. And then the situation makes me really push and pull on those ideas and do the analysis and then execute the idea. That is incredibly useful. So if you're struggling on, oh, what do I do next? What do I do next? Well, you got to have an idea of some kind, but then put that idea in a situation with limitations and maybe it's time or place or age or just anything. Budget. Uh, Budget. That's right. But something, something is going to make you consider things on a detailed level. Uh, And once you do it, you can really get into it. I happen to like it. You know, I, I, I wrote a thing that I didn't intend to write precisely because I like the challenge of coming up with the details in that arena, as opposed to one that I was really familiar with. Um, that was cool. And I thought, okay, this is something that, that I enjoy. Well, if you don't enjoy that, this may not be for you. If you don't enjoy evaluating those ideas with limitations, doing it in detail, uh, you don't sit down coming up with 15 of your own ideas that you want to pursue, this this may not be for you. you, you pop on Netflix and watch a show you like. Just just stop stop saying you'll do anything for it because you're just you're not it's not it's it's not a fit mm-hmm. yeah uh I, that, that whole time you were talking Conan O'Brien has a phrase for that and I can't think of it so I'm just really distraught that I couldn't couldn't come up with it but it has something to do with how creativity exists within like a bounded environment. It's like, yeah, you know, it's like a, it's like a playground in a prison. I just made that up. That's not what the phrase is, but it is something like that where you have to create these limitations in order to flourish creatively without them. Um, you don't know where you are, you don't know where to go. And it's just kind of like a, a meaningless and pointless endeavor. So I totally agree with you about that. Well, everyone would, man, it has something to do with an engine. Yeah, it has something to do with an engine, but I'm not going to think of it. So I'm sorry. (laughs) Oh, well. Um, All right. That's it for us uh, for this week. Uh, Thanks to all of our patrons for hanging out with us. It is always wonderful seeing your beautiful avatar faces in the episode chat. Uh, If you want to join us for these recordings, join the Discord. We have a wonderful Discord community. If you want to support the podcast, then please join the Patreon that is patreon.com slash the create unknown. We are a patron funded podcast. So if you like this podcast and you want it to continue, please be uh, please consider becoming a patron. All right, uh, we're out of here. We'll be back next week. Uh, get to idea aiding. Good luck, folks. We'll see you, Space Cowboys. Thanks for listening to The Create Unknown. We make this show with the support of our patrons. 100% of that goes directly to keeping episodes going every week, and the recent support has been amazing. Sidpoke, NRM, Venture Addicts, Weezer Good, you all really do make this show happen. Thank you to the Tots and Dumpster crew, old and new, who save tiny little lives every month. Thank you to our grizzled, battle-hardened child infantry. Clemente De Los Santos, Dan the Latch, Demetrius Andrews, Erica, Farrakhan, Jen Mefasanti, Kevin Menard, Mikhail Steinke, Monahim, Natsu, Penny Peddler, Risebread, Ryan Kinder, Samuel Manser, Sean S., Sean Malone, and Tom Videoger. And a tremendous shout-out to our elite baby gang commanders. Atrocious Guff, Cat, Dojangles, Graham Robertson, James Gallagher, Jeff Davis, Orange Vanilla Coke, Patrick Pister, TCU's personal pilot, Andy, Ryan Carroll, Baseweight, Vinthos, Yetis Deletus, Jonas Walter, Nathan Robinson, Jelksies, and, of course, Trevstead. 
You are the elite. Thank you as well to our indentured servants, producer-editor Ben Webster, Minecraft mogul Laterman, Discord kitten wrangler Conrad, and producer emeritus Dan Yoshua. Thanks to Baseweight for use of Created in the Unknown for the opening theme. Thanks to Electro Voice for giving us mics to sound good on top of it. And a special thanks to Main Gear for powering all of our PC endeavors. The Create Unknown is an unknown media production in partnership with Studio 71.